How did we learn to crawl? How did we learn to walk? How do we continue to get better at a skill? We have to practice and it's often awkward and it's often uncomfortable and we often feel not good about it. Especially as we get older, we're like, who's looking, who saw that? I'm trying to look good and we get really attached to how we're appearing and how others see us. But give yourself a lot of what we would say is space and grace as you are embarking on something new because nobody ever does it perfectly when we're taking on our growth. Welcome to the Being Human is Good for Business podcast. In each episode, the leadership development experts at Trilogy Effect explore how the process of self-discovery unleashes potential in us all. Now here's your host, Sherilyn Starkey. Hi, everybody. Welcome. Thanks. This is the Being Human is Good for Business podcast. I'm your host, Sherry Lynn Starkey, and joining me today are the leadership development experts from Trilogy Effect. We've got Heather Morass, Wendy Apple, Mary Beth Sawicki. Welcome, everyone. Hello. Thank you. Thank you. And today we are here to talk about imposter syndrome. So have you ever done something and think that you were successful because you got a lucky break, or maybe it's because of somebody in high places, or maybe even you think maybe somebody out there and made a mistake and it ended up with you getting a lucky opportunity that you didn't really deserve? Well, if you answer yes to any of these questions, you might be suffering from imposter syndrome. It's that niggling feeling of of inadequacy or self-doubt you feel that you might be out of your depth despite other people saying, good on you, I've got confidence in you. It's a common problem. The International Journal of Behavior of Science says that 70% of people experience it at some point in their lives. I know I certainly have. I'm kind of feeling it right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's amazing how often it shows up. Well, let's get into it. Just how common is imposter syndrome? So it's it's very, very common, Sherilyn. As you mentioned, more than 70% have experienced it. And honestly, I'd be surprised if the number wasn't higher. Just given today's fast-paced environment and the ever-changing landscape that we're all navigating, it's hard not to feel self-doubt or uncertainty or that you're not quite up to the task maybe that you have been tasked with. So that said... When we do things like a 360 profile, for example, leadership circle profile, we'll find with our clients that their peers tend to see them as more competent, more effective than they see themselves. And so every once in a while, we'll run into the opposite, but not very often. It's, um, that's, I would say that that's the exception. So yeah, it's, it's a fairly common phenomenon. And I actually prefer that word to syndrome. Syndrome pathologizes this common experience that we all have a bit. So I'm trying to train myself to say imposter phenomenon versus imposter syndrome, but it's, yeah, it shows up a lot when, when there's a, when we're stretching ourselves in our career, when we're making a shift from an individual uh, contributor to management, for example, it can even show up in our personal lives when you go from a single person to to a parent. So it's Mm -hmm. everywhere. It's really common. So do women suffer from it more often than men? Because I hear it more about it more often from women than I do from men. Yeah, I don't have any data to support that. I have probably equal distribution of coaching clients who are men and women. And I hear it from both. 
especially when we start comparing ourselves to others. We're we're never going to measure up. We're always going to find somebody who we think is smarter, more capable, more experienced. And every time we move into comparison, we can start feeling this imposter. What did you call it? Not syndrome, Mary Beth? Phenomenon. Phenomenon. We might start feeling like an imposter. And so I think that when we're trying to stretch into a new position, we're always going to feel that kind of insecurity. We're going to feel insecure. So I have clients, for instance, a client could be an engine, uh, in a, managing a team of engineers and not have a degree in that. And that can really drum up a whole bunch of insecurity. Like, who am I? Who am I to be doing this? And then what happens as a result of that is you can either overcompensate and try to act like more than you do, be a know-it-all, not take input because you feel like you're trying to prove yourself, or you can be second-guessing yourself, not taking action when you should be deferring a lot, not being willing to make decisions. So it can show up in both ways. And I, back to your question, I do see that for both men and women. Maybe the overconfident piece may show up more in men. Okay. Yeah. And women tend to do the other side. Where they well, if you're, yeah, well, if you're feeling really insecure, you can show up at, okay, I'm feeling insecure. So now I need to act really overconfident. And that can really bite you in the butt. <laughs> yes, especially if you are leading a team of specialists that have a, a deeper understanding of things than, than you might have on the technical part. I could understand that. Yeah. I just want to add something to what Wendy was sharing about comparison. There's this great expression um, about comparison being the thief of joy. <laughs> and I think that comparison can also be the thief of self-worth, what we believe about yeah. ourselves, because there's so much access in today's world in social media, digital technology, it is so easy to just see these carefully curated images that are out there and feel less than, feel not measure up. And it can lead into this imposter phenomenon. So comparison, I think there's rich territory to kind of mine there and maybe avoid it as much as possible. Avoid comparing yourself. It's so hard not. Yeah, I said it if you don't, when you do compare yourself, you're robbing, you're robbing yourself of expressing your own unique gifts. Cause we are in our own way. We are all unique expressions of humans in the world and comparing diminishes your own unique expression and your own unique way of leading and doing your work in the world. So you're really robbing others and yourself of this. Angela Sarian, who was a teacher of mine for many years, and she used to say in her own way, like, we're all unique medicine in this world. We're all unique, bring our own unique healing into the world. And nobody else has our same iris. Nobody else has our same tone of voice. And nobody else has our same fingerprint. We all bring that uniqueness into the world. And it's up to us to bring that forward. Good advice. So is imposter syndrome always a bad thing then? Not necessarily. I think we can relate to it as a bad thing because there are some feelings and inner uh, sensations that accompany it, which aren't necessarily pleasant. For me, it's kind of my nervous system gets a little bit wonky and upset when I'm 
feeling like I'm not up to something, which undermines my confidence. And I see this in our clients all the time when they're able to have some private and safe conversations with us. It's there for everybody. And it's usually a clue that we're stretching. As soon as we move beyond our comfort zone, there's a part of us that it's called our ego that wants to pull us back and have us continue running old patterns because that has been our success formula throughout our forming years. And like it or not, it'll show up over and over again throughout our life. And when we step outside of the patterning, it will feel awkward and uncomfortable. And I think Brene Brown says it very well, be stay awkward, strong and brave. It takes bravery and courage to stay with these uncomfortable feelings and inner sensations and still stand our ground because that's an indication we're starting to realize untapped potential in us. As Wendy has said, we all bring unique gifts into the world, but they don't get tapped into if we're just running our patterns. It limits how much of us gets expressed. So imposter phenomenon can actually be a clue that we are growing and progressing. So you want to notice it, but don't get identified with it. Or afraid of it. Embrace it. In, yeah, befriend it. Mm-hmm. So how do you do that, though? How do you befriend it when you're kind of afraid and full of self-doubt and tentative? It's uh, almost like jumping off a cliff, right? You just got to have faith you're going to hit the water. <laughs> it, can, it can feel that way. It, and there's a difference. We, we do make a distinction between getting into your getting out of your comfort zone and then moving into stress because nobody really develops if they're too far out. And I want to make that point clear. That's not, you, you don't throw people into the deep end that, or throw yourself into the deep end. That would be foolish. Mm-hmm. So there is kind of this uh, dynamic tension that we all learn as we feel that syndrome or that, sorry, phenomenon sh- coming up. And there's an opportunity there to kind of titrate it. Often it might be with a trusted colleague to have a conversation about, geez, I've got this meeting coming up and I'm a little freaked out about it. And just having some opportunity for connecting and regrounding, regrouping. Yeah, that would be one way. That opportunity, I think, to be mirrored by someone who sees you maybe more accurately than you see yourself. Mm-hmm. Just speaking for myself, I know my inner monologue isn't always so pleasant. Like it, just the inner critic can come online and I can see more of the gap between what I achieved and what I wanted to achieve. And I can turn to Heather or Wendy or, mm-hmm. a, you know, someone I've worked with as a coach and just get some reflections back from someone else who, again, might see me a little bit more clearly than I see myself in the moment. Yeah, it's something I've heard you mention before, Wendy, that it takes two to know one. It really does. We don't often see ourselves clearly. We're in our own skin. We don't know the impact that we have on others unless they tell us, for better or for worse. We don't we don't know the ripple effect that we're making. And so I do my best to remember to tell my friends and colleagues and people in my life the difference they're making for me. Because I know that's such a gift to give someone because we don't, we don't know. We can just go through life and never know that we are making a difference. 
That's often what we see in people, particularly I'm noticing at the end of their careers, as COVID has really brought this to the service and the great, let's call it the great, great awakening, the great resignation, but people have realized that they maybe want to change paths a bit. And what holds some people back from making a move is they don't feel like they're known, or actually it might cause them to make a move because they don't feel known. So either way, that lack of mirroring has a cost. It's very real. So two questions on my mind about this. It's more about managing the feelings that you get when you're in this kind of imposter frame of mind. And also, let's talk a little bit about that, about how can you manage it? Like, what are some practical tips to managing your feelings and, and being brave enough to take that step? And then also, and then after that, let's talk about if you're managing someone, a member of your team is experiencing imposter syndrome, maybe we could have some tips on how to help manage them through it. Well, one way, actually the way I would say, without sounding too too much like a terminal pronouncement there, but it really requires self-awareness is to become familiar with that inner gremlin, if you want, that lurks on the edges when we start to get uncomfortable and when we're stepping out a bit. And one of the tools we use that is so helpful is the Enneagram, because it lays out nine very familiar and recognizable patterns that we develop around coping in life. And the more we can see the pattern that runs us when we start feeling scared or uncertain, the easier it is for us to befriend it and not be gripped by it. That would be a a big start. And make other choices. Yeah. Other than running your pattern. Yes, yes, I understand. And sometimes it's the opposite. If you've got nine strategies, one of them, for example, would be my way to succeed is to achieve, achieve, achieve. You might try stepping back and letting others achieve and notice whether or not you're still successful. So it's kind of like challenging yourself. Of course, I would say that given that that's my pattern, but to do the opposite of what feels like you, sh- you need to do to survive. And then if you're, if you're managing or, or, or coaching somebody or a member of your team that you feel that they're not really, they're struggling, I guess, in a new role or something like that, what, what advice would you give to the manager to help support their managee, <laughs> their managee through these periods of change. <laughs> well, certainly having a coach can help someone because sometimes the manager doesn't have the time or sometimes they're not as skilled as to be able to be a guide or a support or a mentor for that person. So to really give them that kind of support, coaching, self-awareness, as Heather expressed, And we use the Leadership Circle 360, which I find super helpful because then it will give that person insight into how people are experiencing them in a really wonderful and fundamental way. When they can see how their patterns are showing up, whether it's somebody that they report to, they are peers with, or that to their direct reports. And so it gives a lot of mirroring and insight in a particular point in time 
Mm. And then they can work with that. So both tools we found extremely helpful to support people as they're growing into a new position. And then to just remember that if you are a person who's feeling imposter syndrome and you or and feeling like an imposter and you've just taken on a new role and to, re, to just remember that this is your growing edge and it's normal and it's natural. So normalize it for yourself. And as you think about it, it's an opportunity to grow. We have to go back to beginner's mind. How did we learn to crawl? How did we learn to walk? How did we learn to do sports? How do we continue to get better at a, at a sport or a, a skill? We have to practice and it's often awkward and it's often uncomfortable and we often feel not good about it, especially as we get older as a child, they're like, laugh when they fall to walk, right? But it, when we get older, we're like, who's looking, who saw that? I'm trying to look good. And we get really attached to how we're appearing and how others see us. But to just be able to laugh at yourself when you stumble and to be able to um, make repairs with others, if you say or do something that causes a problem or harm, you can always go back and repair. But to give yourself a lot of what we would say is space and grace as you are embarking on something new, because nobody does it perfectly. Nobody ever does it perfectly when we're taking on our growth. Hard to remember that when you're in the moment, but it is put a post-it note on your desk that says you're okay. (laughs) You're okay. I mean, we go back to that beginner's mind of being like a child. Humor helps too. It It really does. It is a great reset button. You can, if you're doing a big presentation for the first time and it's your first time in front of the executive team, acknowledge it. Let them know, thanks. I hope this goes well. It's my first time. Just, it humanizes everything. It endears people and reminds us all that we're all just human. Mm. And being human is good for all of us and it's good for business. I think that's a great point to end on. Did anyone have anything else they want to add? I was just going to just to Heather, because Heather is the best at what we call telling one on herself. So we'll be in front of the room with clients and Heather will just tell something about something she did that made a mess or whatever. I have lots of material. (laughs) And it's just, it's one of Heather's most endearing qualities. And it feels like the opposite of what you should be doing. You want to be up in front of the room and looking good and whatever. And she does that and it just, everybody relaxes around it. And so it's always sort of that doing the opposite of what you think she should be doing in that kind of circumstance. And it really, uh, it connects you to others. It opens things up beautifully. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Highly recommend it. It's the vulnerability, right? Absolutely. Yeah, sometimes it's okay to be, that's what I've had to learn. It's okay to be scared. It's okay to be vulnerable. And it's not, yeah, there's no shame in it. It's a lesson I struggle with, that's for sure. (laughs) Oh, well. We all do. Uh Uh-huh. At least 70% of the people out there. (laughs) We think that number's low, to Mary Beth's point. (laughs) All right, thanks so much for joining me today. And thanks for sharing all these practical leadership tips. And and if you like what you heard today and you want new and fresh ideas, please subscribe to our podcast, Being Human is Good for Business. You can get it 
on any of the platforms, any of the, the podcast networks that you like to use. And tell your friends about the show too and share it in your social media so that we can spread spread the word. I'm your host, Sherry Lynn Starkey, and thank you for joining us today. Bye, everybody. Thanks, everyone. Thanks. Thank you.